Hello, and welcome to Notes on the Week Ahead, a JP Morgan Asset Management podcast that gives you insights on the markets and economy to help you stay informed for the week ahead. Hello, this is David Kelly. I'm Chief Strategist here at JP Morgan Funds. Today is November 8th, 2021. My first summer job as a teenager was in the mailroom of a Dublin law firm. The more intellectual duties of this position involved substantial paper folding, envelope licking, and a daily fight with a franking machine. However, the important part of the job was buzzing around Dublin on my 10-speed bike with the drop-down handlebars, delivering the mail directly to the various law offices and clients, and thus eliminating the inevitable delays of the Dublin Postal Service. Cycling around the streets of Dublin was actually a pretty hazardous operation. A combination of the rain, the potholes, the Dublin drivers, and my misplaced self-confidence propelled me onto the side of the road more than once. No one at the time recommended the elementary precaution of a safety helmet, and in retrospect, I was quite lucky to avoid serious injury. That being said, as I painfully climbed back onto my bike after my latest traffic incident, I often found that there was a problem. Even if the contraption would move forward, a bent wheel, a wonky chain, or damaged mudguard indicated that some repairs would be necessary to truly get back on track. The last week was a very important one in getting America back on track in a post-pandemic recovery. The bipartisan infrastructure bill finally passed the House of Representatives and headed to the President for a signature. The Federal Reserve outlined its plans to phase out its bond purchases over the next eight months. The CDC approved a COVID vaccine for children aged 5 to 11, while Pfizer announced very promising trial results for an antiviral drug to combat the disease if people catch it. Finally, the October jobs report released on Friday was strong across the board, providing further evidence that the economy is moving on from the pandemic. However, the distortions caused by the pandemic and policy response, much like the damage to my 10-speed, remain very obvious in the financial landscape, with inflation running hot, interest rates still looking low, broad equity valuations still looking high, and relative valuations still looking out of kilter within and across asset classes. The biggest investment opportunity entering 2022 will likely come from recognizing that these distortions should diminish as pandemic and policy effects fade and allocating to assets accordingly. The passage of the infrastructure bill does look like a break in the fiscal logjam. However, investors should not overestimate its economic effects. While it is commonly referred to as the trillion dollar infrastructure bill, according to the Congressional Budget Office, it would only add $256 billion to cumulative deficits from fiscal 2021 through fiscal 2031, with no meaningful effect on the deficit in 2022. More significantly, passage of the infrastructure bill should allow Congressional Democrats to focus on the passage of a reconciliation bill. It looks like we are now still a few weeks away from this, with House Democratic centrists demanding a Congressional budget analysis of the bill before voting on it. Even if this is forthcoming by the middle of November and the bill is passed by the House, the Senate will have the opportunity to amend it and send it back to the House. That being said, the most likely fiscal path from here is that a reconciliation bill will be passed in December, avoiding a government shutdown or debt ceiling crisis. However, investors should note that the degree of fiscal stimulus will be far less than provided by Washington over the past two years. Monetary policy will also be less generous going forward, with the Federal Reserve last week outlining a plan to taper bond purchases. The Fed's plan was very much in line with expectations and suggests a reduction in bond purchases from $120 billion per month as of today to zero by the second half of June 2022. This would exert some upward pressure on long-term interest rates over time. However, investors will be wise not to bank on an increase in the federal funds rate soon after the end of quantitative easing. 
While Chairman Powell did not rule this out, the Fed's natural caution, their distaste for making policy changes before major elections, and the reality that the second half of 2022 will likely see both slowing economic growth and cooling inflation should all push them to avoid a rate hike until their last meeting of the year, on December 14, 2022. Even as a policy response to the COVID pandemic winds down, important progress is being made in battling the disease itself. In particular, while confirmed cases of COVID remain steady at over 70,000 per day, the number of people dying from the disease continues to fall, down to a seven-day moving average of just under 1,200 people per day from a recent peak of over 2,000 in mid-December, in mid-September. The CDC has now approved a vaccine for the 28 million Americans aged 5 to 11, which should help further reduce the spread of the disease. Potentially most significantly, Pfizer announced on Friday that trials of its coronavirus antiviral drug showed an 89% reduction in hospitalization and death for high-risk patients when the drug was administered within three days of the onset of symptoms. These trial results have yet to be peer-reviewed, but if they hold up, they could represent a further, very significant step in bringing an end to the pandemic. Finally, also on Friday, the Labor Department released a very solid October jobs report. Non-farm payroll jobs rose by 531,000, well above the consensus estimate of a 450,000 gain, with revisions adding 235,000 to the gains of the prior two months. In addition, the unemployment rate slipped from 4.8% to 4.6%, with now just 7.4 million people estimated to be unemployed. This number is dwarfed by the number of open positions in the economy, which will be reported this Friday, and could well be above 10.5 million people. Notably, Hiring continues to be strong in the areas most impacted by the pandemic, such as hospitality or where there are severe supply chain issues, such as manufacturing and transportation. Also important to note is the continued upward pressure on wage growth, with the average hourly earnings of production and non-supervisory workers now up 5.8% from a year ago and 10.9% from two years ago. However, even as the nation gradually gets back on track, distortions remain in the economic and financial environment. One of the most obvious of this, these is inflation, and this Wednesday's CPI report should show the strongest year-over-year -year consumer inflation in 30 years. Much of this is related to supply chain disruptions and should be temporary. Businesses have a huge financial incentive to get goods to consumers, and many important products such as oil and new vehicles could well see price reductions in the year ahead. However, excess labor demand is likely to be a longer-lasting issue, and, and the higher wages it is generating could contribute to a more lasting increase in inflation. This could mean that core consumption deflation inflation will run above the Fed's 2% target for a number of years to come. The second obvious distortion is the extraordinarily low level of long-term interest rates. Despite multiple signs of an economy getting back on track, 10-year yields fell by one-tenth of a percent from 1.55% to 1.45% over the past week while 10-year tip yields fell from negative 0.96% to negative 1.09%. Much has been written about the technical factors suppressing long-term interest rates and their continued failure to rise in the face of improving economic data, massive government debt and high inflation, casts doubt on whether any forecast of a substantial rise in the months ahead uh, is justified. However, investors should recognize that even if rates don't rise, the current yield on long-term government bonds provides a pretty miserable contribution to long-term portfolio returns. This suggests a need to find both income and portfolio protection in other areas of global financial markets. Some investors will look with equal nervousness on high equity valuations. As of Friday, the S&P 500 was selling at 21.8 times forward earnings, roughly 1.5 standard deviations above its 25-year average valuation level. It should be stressed that this is a forward P.E. ratio, that to say it is based on 
earnings, uh, that is to say, it is based on earnings expected over the next year rather than the spectacular results achieved by U.S. firms in the third quarter. History strongly suggests that today's high valuations should result in lower long-term returns. However, equity investors should also note that U.S. stocks, outside of mega-cap names, look much less expensive, as do large-cap value stocks within the U.S. indices. In addition, the 39% of global stock market capitalization still left outside the United States does not look nearly as expensive as U.S. equities. Finally, investors should recognize the extraordinary distortions that have been created within markets by the pandemic. On page 12 of our guide to the markets, we show the range between the 80th percentile and the 20th percentile of P.E. ratios for stocks within the S&P 500. Over the past 25 years, this range has averaged 11.2 P.E. points. However, it has now blown out to 20.7 P.E. points. This suggests that within the index itself, there are many stocks that are either too expensive or too cheap. As the economy gets back on track and interest rates drift up, confusion about relative valuations should dissipate and the cost of financing speculative bets should increase. I've always believed that valuations tell you a lot more about returns in the long run than rather than the short run. And for long-term investors, it is long-term returns that are important. Just as it's worth checking out a bike after a crash before taking it back on the road, investors will be well advised to do a valuation check across their portfolios as we plan for a post-pandemic world. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week. And if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your JP Morgan representative. The latest notes in the week ahead is from Monday, November 8th. It is approximately eight minutes long. Would you like to hear it? This content has been produced for information purposes only. And as such, the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient. The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular receiver. Any research in this asset has been obtained and may have been acted upon by J.P. Morgan Asset Management for its own purpose. The results of such research are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of J.P. Morgan Asset Management, unless otherwise stated, as of the date of production. They are considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness in respect of any error or omission is accepted. They may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services Incorporated. Copyright 2018. J.P. Morgan Chase & Company.